Aleph Mishnah Vav, 11.6. Since we're talking about throwing, the Mishnah will take the opportunity to revisit a topic we discussed back in the seventh parak. That was the beginning of Klal Gadol, when we set the rules regarding violating the Isra'i Dorais of Chil Shabbos. So there we said that if one violates an Isra Doraisa Bishogeg inadvertently, then he is Chai Vachatas. He brings the Korban Chatas. That's only if it was Shogeg. Remember, we had three cases of Shogeg. Either he didn't know there was such a thing as Shabbos, he didn't know that today was Shabbos, or he didn't know this thing that he did, this act he did, was forbidden on Shabbos. The point is, Shogeg is one did a willful act, but um, his violation of Shabbos was inadvertent. It wasn't willful. In contrast, if one does a malacha b'mezid, intentionally, um, or b'onus, against his will, then he would not bring a korban chatas, as we discussed over there. So now, throwing brings us um, to an interesting place in terms of like a, like a laboratory, a halachic laboratory, because you recall that obviously throwing requires both an akira and a hanacha, a setting into motion and a putting in place. And those can be divided in time by, by a good amount of good amount of time could divide the Akira and Hanacha. So our mission is going to explore what happens if only one or the other, the Akira or the Hanacha, was done by Shogeg. So, and the mission will resolve it to say that in such a scenario, one will be exempt from bringing a Korban Chatas, because as the mission will say explicitly, the principle is if both the Tachila, the beginning, and the Sof, the end of a Malacha is done in Shkaga, inadvertently, so then one brings a chatas, but otherwise one is not able to bring a chatas. So the mission says inside, hazorek, hazorek, if one throws something, v'nizkar, and then he remembers, after it's already left his hand, that you can't do this on Shabbos. So then the beginning, the akira was done v'shkaga, but by the time it lands, it will now already be not v'shkaga, he's now aware of what he's doing, of what he's done, so then he'll be pater from bringing a korban chatos. And the Mishnah says, similarly, if kalta acher, if someone else intercepts the thing that he threw. Now this actually is a different point. Um, we also established back um, previously that for one to be liable to bring a chatos, he has to do the whole malacha by himself, assuming it's a one-person job. And here, someone else did the second half of the malacha. Someone else did the hanacha, since he grabbed it. And that being the case, um, again, both parts will be potter because neither one did the whole malacha. Same goes kalta kelev. If it wasn't a person, but rather um, a dog intercepted the the rock, the frisbee that he threw. Again, since he didn't achieve his end of having the hanacha done um, by himself, so then he'll be potter. In this case, if he was aiming for the dog's mouth and the dog was sort of inanimate um, and the frisbee lands in the dog's mouth and stays there, so then he actually will be liable. Um, this is true even though the dog's mouth is, of course, not a makum dalad al-dalad, it's not a 4 by 4 tfachim. Um, nevertheless, since he intended it to land there, he ascribed the significance of the dog's mouth, assuming he did, um, to be a significant place. So therefore, it's as if it had the 4 by 4 measurement. And therefore, in that scenario, in that kind of weird scenario, he actually would be liable. But in any case, Amish is focusing on the fact that either um, it happened to land in the dog's mouth and the dog intercepts it, so then he's not doing the whole malacha by himself in a case of... in a and therefore he'll be exempt from bringing the Korban Chatos. Ocean Nisrafa, one more case. Here, uh, while in mid-flight, the frisbee that he throws 
um, incinerates, lightning strikes it or it goes over a huge fire or something, and therefore never comes to rest. If it doesn't come to rest, then there'll never be anacha, he didn't do both sides. So in all those scenarios, pater, he'll be exempt. Um, now this principle of having to do both the tchil and the sof, the beginning and end, in a state of shkaga, doesn't just apply to hotzah, I'm um, transferring by zrika, by throwing. Um, it would be in any scenario. So for example, again, we're going to have a case of throwing here, but we're not focused on the malacha of hotzah here, we're focused on the malacha of um, of making a chabura, making someone bruised or bleed. Um, so if you dislodge the blood from its place, um, that's already a tolda of shchita, of, of slaughtering, because anytime you reduce someone's blood, it's Matilas Neshama, you're taking away some of his life. So, um, the case here is Zarak, a person threw this rock, La'asos Chabura. And he intended that the victim that he's going to, the rock will get hit by, um, will get bruised. Bain Ba'adam, Bain Ba'vehema. doesn't matter if the intended victim is a person or an animal. Um, bruising animals might be something different in terms of technicality of what Malach it is, but it doesn't matter. Um, in all those cases, Vinizkar, and then he remembers while that rock is in flight, that at Shabbos he may not do this, prior to the bruise being made. Then Pater, the person who threw it, will be exempt, because again, by the time the malacha was done of making the Chabura, or reddening the hide of the animal, um, already it wasn't done in a state of, of um, unawareness, of inadvertence. He was already mindful that it was forbidden to do this, and then it was done. So therefore, Pater, he won't bring a Korban Chatas. Zahaklal, this is the principle that governs this whole idea. Kol Any crime that carries with the penalty of bringing a chatas, um, one is not liable to bring the chatas unless he does that, that avera, the chilashabas, both from the beginning to the end in a state of shkaga, of, of inadvertence. Now, whenever the Mishnah says zahaklal, this is the principle. It comes to add something, and the Gemara asks, what is it going to add here? So we're adding a case, for example, of a person um, walking on Shabbos where he's carrying something, and after walking two Amos, inadvertently, not forgetting it's Shabbos, he remembers it's Shabbos, but he walks two more Amos. Um, so then a total of four. So then, again, you have the beginning being in Shkaga, but the end being not Shkaga. He'll again be Potter from being a The Mishnah finishes up by saying, if the beginning were in a state of, of inadvertence, the sof and zadon, but by the end he knows what's going on, or tchilas and zadon, or he starts out the act willfully being mechal shabbos, the sof and shkaga, but by the time it, it ends, he's already forgotten it shabbos. In all those cases, paturin, he'll one will be exempt from bringing the korban chatas, he won't be chayav unless both the beginning and the end are done b'shogeg um, inadvertently. So this is, of course, very repetitious, repetitious language. The question is, why is it doing this? And the Gemara answers that it's emphasizing that it's what's operative is um, the beginning and the end of the act. But the middle of the act is not important. So in some weird hypothetical scenario where a person throws something very far, and he throws it in a case of in a state of shkaga, and mid-flight he remembers for a moment that it's Shabbos, and uh-oh, and then by the time the thing lands, he's forgotten it's Shabbos again. For example, that's a strange scenario. He would actually would be liable for a chatas. Um, so the point is, it's not that the whole act from beginning to end must be done in Chicago, but rather that the whole act beginning and end must be done in Chicago.